0: Says the Lord, Where is your mother's certificate of divorce with which I sent her away? Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? Behold, for your iniquities you were sold, and for your transgressions your mother was sent away. Why, when I came, was there no man? Why, when I called, was there no one to answer? Is my hand shortened that it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? Behold, by my rebuke I dry up the sea. I make the rivers a desert. Their fish stink for lack of water and die of thirst. I clothe the heavens with blackness and make sackcloth their covering. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning He awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear. And I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I have my back to those who strike. And my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. But the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Who among you fears the Lord? And obeys the voice of his servant. Let him who walks in darkness and has no light. Trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Behold, all you who kindle a fire. Who equip yourselves with burning torches. Walk by the light of your fire. And by the torches that you have kindled. This you will have from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. Father in heaven, we come before you and we thank you for the goodness of your word. We thank you, Lord God, that even while your people are in captivity, you speak to them. Lord God, we thank you for the kindness you have shown us as your people. For thousands of years, you have cared for your people. And we thank you, Lord, in a way we join our hands with them, with theirs. We thank you, Lord, for the way that you've been faithful to us. Now, Holy Spirit, illumine our hearts that we might understand your word. For your glory, Lord God, and for our good. Amen. About two months, a beautiful young woman came to see me. And her little tummy was protruding. She was with child. And she was not very happy. I began our conversation by simply introducing myself to her a little bit and ask her, asked her how she was doing. And she said she's not doing very well and she began to cry. And she said to me that um, she had a drinking problem, that she had been drinking since she was about 14 years old. Now she's 30 years old. And in the process of this drinking to try to numb herself and escape from her pain, she had become pregnant. I asked her about the relationship with the man, and she said, Well, it's not one man, it's many men. I've been with so many men, I do not know the Father. She looked at me quietly and said, I just don't think I can go on like this. I just don't think I can keep living this life. I'm at the end of my rope. And I looked at her and said, that's very good news. That's very good news. You're at the end of your rope. You've tried everything you know how to try. Now, let's turn to God. Let's look to Him. Men and women, as we begin our thoughts out of Isaiah 50, I want you to answer one question for me as we ponder the text. How long is your rope And how long does it take you to get to the end of it before you come to the place of utter ruin saying, oh God, oh God, you are my only hope. I turn from my self-righteousness. I turn from my efforts at obligating you to love me. I turn from the sinful behaviors that I have lit like a torch rather than trusting in you. Men and women... I call on you this evening, do not let your light shine. If you'll return your eyes to the text, you'll know that we find the people of God in captivity. They're in exile. And contained within this passage is the beautiful servant song, the third of four that we find in the book of Isaiah. Ponder the text with me, if you will. Thus says the Lord, Where is your mother's certificate of divorce with which I sent her away? Did I send her away? Or did she leave me? Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? Does God have debts that he must sell his people to pay them? Behold, for your iniquities you were sold, and for your transgressions your mother was sent away. Why? Why, when I came, was there no man? Was there no one to welcome me? When I sent my prophet, why was there no one to welcome him? Why? Why? When I called, was there no one to answer? Is my hand shortened that it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? You see, when we get mired in our sin, we think a couple things about God. Some of us think He doesn't really notice. Others think He's impotent. Brothers and sisters, I would appeal to you, never mistake God's patience for indifference or impotence. Never mistake his loving kindness. He is slow to anger that his people would return to him, that we would turn to him. I'll never forget when my son Jordan was in sixth grade. It was about the last time I could beat him in basketball. He's about six foot four now, maybe 220 pounds. A wonderful athlete. And I remember that day in sixth grade, I took him out into the back driveway and we hooped it up. Up until that point in his life, I had allowed him to beat me. I just thought it was a nice thing for a daddy to do. Let his boy win, build his self-confidence, make him think that he was great. Well, unfortunately, I had accomplished that in spades. Uh, The boy thought he was wonderful. He, he could not believe that he consistently whooped his daddy in backyard basketball. And so I took it upon myself to show the boy that he could not win. And so I drummed him. I just drummed him game after game. And his anger built. And I, I just kind of stopped for a moment. And I said, Jordan, why are you so angry? And he says, I can't believe you're winning. You've never beat me. And I delivered a line to him that he will never forget. Son, I've been letting you win. Now you need to earn it. He's beaten me ever since. (laughs) He mistook my kindness and my patience in allowing him to develop and come to his senses for impotence or for indifference. Brothers and sisters, I would would plead with you to not mistake God's loving kindness and his long suffering attitude toward us as, as his people. Do not mistake that for indifference or impotence. He is a powerful God who will rest his just judgment upon every man and woman, boy and girl, for their sins. Or He will rest that judgment for our sins on His very Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Behold, by my rebuke I dry up the sea. I make the rivers a desert. Their fish stink for lack of water and die of thirst. Clothe the heavens with blackness and make sackcloth their covering. Now, as we transition into verse 4, I want you to recognize. You're going to recognize this sketch. It's a pencil sketch of a Savior. We can see him on the horizon through this pencil sketch. And as the New Testament draws near, we see him him ever more clearly. We begin to see this pencil sketch of the servant as our very own and none other than the Lord Jesus Christ, our only hope. There's three very clear phrases here in verse 4, verse 5, and verse 7. It says, the Lord God has given me, verse 5. The Lord God has opened my ear, verse 7. But the Lord God has helped me. I would submit to you that these three are the outline that will allow us to understand the work of this servant. First of all, the Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Do you see the prophet? Can you hear the voice of the prophet? Is he calling to you? Can you hear his voice when he says, I know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. We see this pencil sketch revealing, revealing to us That this servant will come as a prophet. He will speak to his people. And then, secondly, we see in verse 5 the Lord God has opened my ear. I was not rebellious, I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike, and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. Do you see the prophet? And now, do you see the priest? Do you see the priest offering himself up for us? For our sin. He places himself in our place. He becomes for us a righteous sacrifice. He takes on himself our sin. Do you see the priest? He's not rebellious, he does not turn away. He's a priest who bears our burdens. He gave His back for us. His cheeks to those who pull out the beard. He did not hide His face from disgrace and from spitting. Are you beginning to see, as the pencil sketch reveals to us, our Christ, the prophet, and the priest? And then lastly in verse 7, But the Lord God helps me, therefore I have not been disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint. And I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Do you hear the words that the Apostle Paul echoes in Romans chapter 8? Is it familiar to you? Did your mind's eye run to that place? Did you hear him say, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any, any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies Our prophet, our priest, our king. He rules our lives. He has worked in such a way that not only do we have a future hope, we have a hope right now. We have a new life right now. We can follow him. Awaken, my brothers and sisters. Awaken to the voice of the prophet. See the priest carrying your sin. Follow the King as He walks before us. And now the text goes on to give us two very clear responses. And I wonder which response you might have this evening. First in verse 10. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of His servant? Who among you? darkness is a place where we doubt. The darkness is a place where we're confused. The darkness represents this unknown. And God calls out to us, maybe this evening, He's calling out to you. He's saying you're walking in the darkness. And He'll meet you there. Trust Him. Trust Him. Find rest in Him. Find peace in Him. There's another response. He goes on to say in verse 11, Behold, all you who kindle a fire, who equip yourselves with burning torches, walk by the light of your fire and by the torches that you have kindled, this you have from my hand. In other words, I guarantee you, you shall lie down in torment. You know, I've seen little boxes of Bible promises, they're called precious promises. I've never seen this precious promise on anybody's refrigerator. I've never seen anybody say follow your own sin patterns and God will bring you down to destruction. Put that in your children's lunch sack as they leave in the morning. You see what happens to us brothers and sisters? We we get in the darkness and we panic. We get confused. It's almost like the old lesson when we were little kids. Object permanence. When it's dark and God is hidden from our sight. Do we think He still exists? Don't we see Him through the eyes of faith, through His Word? The spectacles of His Word, the Holy Spirit allows us to see and have faith. But no, there are times we light our own torches we take on our own sin patterns in order to make our way. Rather than trusting God in the darkness, we light a sin pattern. We're lonely, and so we light the torch of lust. And we say, God, I can't see You. You're not near to me. Where are You? You've abandoned me. I light the the torch of lust. God promise you, promises you, you will come down in ruin. You will come down in torment. Or maybe we light the torch of self-righteousness. Oh, Lord God, if my people really see me, they won't follow me. Do you know, being in the gospel ministry since 1979, I've learned something. I used to think I'm going to watch this flock of mine and I'm going to watch them grow in Christ. Let's just see how much they flourish under my preaching and teaching and this wonderful lifestyle. I'm watching them. Do you know I found out they're watching me? They have the same hope for me. When is Pastor Tinsley going to trust God? Instead of relying on personality or a sense of humor. When is he going to trust Christ? Don't you remember when you get on the airplane and they step up and they say something like, if the air cabin pressure changes, an oxygen mask will drop. And when it drops, immediately place it on the child next to you. No, no. Put it on your own face first. What's the insinuation? What's the inference? That if you place it on the child first, you might suffocate. Men of God, are you suffocating? Is the gospel message bypassing our own hearts as we try to change our people? Not letting them see the reality of change in our own lives? Do we trust in our own self-righteousness rather than in a simple, honest integrity? I do not know of another denomination in the world where it's teaching elders and ruling elders should feel more comfortable admitting the depravity of our hearts. You would think within the PCA, we would have these tremendously vulnerable men standing saying, oh people of God, not only do I preach the doctrine of depravity to your head, I want you to know that I understand it in my heart. For I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm a man who wrestles. You would think we would be the freest to proclaim our great need for Christ. I want to talk to you in closing about making a U-turn. When you're driving down the road and you realize you're going the wrong direction, which I know has never happened to any of the men in this room. But for some of the ladies, listen carefully. (laughs) If you're going the wrong direction and you realize it, what you say to yourself is, I'm not Columbus. I cannot go east to get west. I'm not going to circumnavigate the globe. I need to hang a UE. You realize the farther you keep going in the wrong direction, the longer it's going to take once you turn around. And so you say to yourself, I need to hang a UE. I'm going the wrong direction. And so you put on your indicator and you get over in the left lane and you look for a spot. You're looking for a gap because the middle of U-turns are very dangerous. You're kind of hung out to dry there. There's a few moments of truth there. Sometimes I get in the left lane and I get so frustrated that I can't make a U-turn that I'll just pull back into traffic and go up to the next intersection and pull off and eventually cut through a grocery store and come across at a light because I can't do it. Our sin patterns have such a grip on our souls. We can't find a convenient time or place to turn around. It's busy. I teach five times a week. I have to study the Word. I don't have time for repentance. Repentance. And so you get in that left lane and you find a gap and you hang a Yui and you start going back where you belonged in the first place. How does that happen in a man's soul? The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. And you know what I do? I do a very practical thing. I make a to-don't list. I said, I've had it. This doesn't work. I'm at the end of my rope. Tinsley, why did it take you so long to get to the end of your rope? You're a fool. And so I start writing down things that don't work. I said, Jesus, that didn't work. I tried it, it didn't work. I'm sad. I'm convicted. I've grieved you, Holy Spirit. Sometimes, when I'm in the middle of repentance, I don't even know what to do next. I just know what not to do. I just stop. And I say things to myself like, it doesn't really matter if I don't know what to do. I know exactly what I'm not going to do anymore. And Lord, I'm going to stand in the darkness. And I'm going to trust you enough to say... I don't know where to go, but I'm not going back there. And I'm going to stand here, Christ. And I'm going to stand with you and I ask you to meet me in the darkness. Meet me in this silent place of fear in my heart. And he does. And he does. He causes his word to leap off the pages and the Holy Spirit moves in me in such a way that I say I'm not going there anymore but I am going to go here and he begins to open a path for me little steps in the right direction before I know it I've hung a complete Yui because I just got sick and tired of the sin that didn't work it lied to me It told me something it couldn't provide and I believed it. And under the power of the Holy Spirit in the guidance of God's Word, I stopped and I waited and I listened and I began little steps of obedience. You see, men and women of God, God's calling us to this. Tell him now the secret sin that you won't tell anyone. Tell him now. Tell him if it's working. Let him know you know it's not working. The Holy Spirit will convict us of these sins and these sin patterns. And I call you to snuff out the torch of your sin pattern in the power of God, in the working of the Holy Spirit, in the righteousness of Christ, knowing that we will never, ever perfectly do that. Ever. Until. Until. I'm calling you to make a UE as the people of God. Make it to don't list under the power of the Holy Spirit. Stand and wait. And listen as you read His Word. As you sit under the preaching of His Word. As you enjoy the means of grace. And then by His strength, take steps in the paths that you know are blessed by Him. I call you to hang a Yui. Do you know the Holy Spirit works in such a way that He causes the tumblers of our heart to line up so that the key of His Word fits in. He makes our locks to turn easily because our hearts are tender (laughs) and we see our sin and we we long for our Savior. Do you see what the, the whole argument of Isaiah 50 is? See your sin and see your Savior. And when you see your Savior, you even more so see your sin. Cling to the prophet, priest, and king. Turn to him. He has moved the tumblers of your life, your children, your marriage, your job, your calling, if you will. His word. And he's caused your heart at this moment to understand all of those things together. And he's turning lock of your heart that you would turn from your sin and turn to your savior isn't that what isaiah is calling the people of god to do isn't that what we need we don't need more self-righteousness repent of the white devil (laughs) repent of your self-righteousness brothers and sisters it's a torch it looks good but it's a torch Instead, be courageous. Stand in the darkness until his word and spirit light your way. And then follow. Are you at the end of your rope? I pray you are. I pray that you are at the end of your rope like I'm at the end of my rope every day. Oh God, you are my God. My soul longs for you. My body yearns for you as a man in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Oh God, quench our thirst through the power of the Holy Spirit with your Savior, our Savior, our Savior, your Savior, our prophet, priest, and king. Amen.